Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, may you be blessed. Lord, you are holy. You are righteous. You are loving. Thank you for your mercy and grace that you bestow upon us. You give it to us every day. We are so not deserving, but your compassion overflows that. So, Lord God, we lift our voices to you today. We lift our hearts to you today. And, Lord God, we come together in one accord and we Lord, we praise your holy name. So be glorified in all that we do this morning, in all that we do today, in all that we do this week. Let us live for you. Let us, let us portray you to this community in a worthy manner. Lord God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, speaking of our testimony, the change that you have done in our life. Lord, there is none like you. And Lord, there is no substitute for you. Jesus, be glorified. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the outpouring of your spirit, Lord, that we don't have to walk through this desolate place alone. But Lord God, instead we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, completely engulfed and surrounded by your spirit. So Lord, be glorified. Be glorified this morning. We pray this. In the mighty name of our King, our Savior, and our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone shout it out. Yeah. Amen. You guys can be uh, you guys can be seated. Mm. Is it good to be in the house today? It is. There's summer has hit, and there's so many other things that we could be doing, and some people are doing. But it's good to be in the house. Good to be in the house of the Lord. There's just something that, that happens when we walk through those doors. And, and it's a change within us. And, and it's an obedience, but it's, but it's a longing obedience. It's something that we so desperately want to do and we need to do. So let's celebrate that today. And, uh, and we're going to get into teaching in just a minute. we got a few announcements. Let me dismiss the kids today. You have Amy down there today. That's going to be fun and crazy. All right, a few announcements real quick to start. Anybody know what's starting tomorrow morning? Zoomerang is starting tomorrow morning, and it's going to be awesome. Um, kids, you, they can sign up tomorrow morning. They can sign up. If they miss tomorrow, they can sign up Tuesday morning and, and all that. So like I've been saying Get your kids here, get your grandkids here, get the neighbor kids here. If they don't have a ride, give them a ride. Let's get as many of them here as possible. It will start at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Thank you, all of you volunteers that are, that are helping with this. Amy had a list of people she needed to um, make sure that, that you have all your paperwork and go through all the checks necessary. So if you haven't gone through the checks necessary and you are working, grab Amy before 
she leaves today, before you leave today, since we're the last ones to always leave, grab her. We'll get those run. Everything will be ready. I'm excited. I'm super excited. I was talking to Debbie this morning, and she's like, oh, I'm going to... It's going to be so good next Sunday when, when we've gotten through all this. I said, yeah, but it's so exciting. It's like a wedding. You plan and plan, and then the wedding comes, and that's a good wedding, and, and then everybody goes home, and there's all this stuff to clean up, but we love that. It's going to be so good. So bring as many kids as possible. And then also we have the food drive going on right now um, for Salvation Army, um, there's food that was brought today, um, next Sunday, and then the following Sunday, June 26th, is the last morning to bring the food. The 27th, it will be taken down to, to Salvation Army. There are lists, if you didn't get a list last week, um, of what they need. Now, you can just bring whatever, but of course, they have specific needs. They know what people are needing, and part of that is diapers and wipes, of course, so that's not really food. Though my dogs have eaten diapers before, I, I, I wouldn't classify it as food, um, but there's a, just a list of, of things. And um, we know what's happening in this economy, in this, this country, and there's people that are, that are just in need of, of food and things. So let's come together once again. We're always so good at this church. Um, bring it, you just drop it off, we'll take care of the rest. Tamara, Tamara's got a couple, couple different announcements. Because she loves the microphone. She loves being up here. It's all good. Jason, Jason is always teasing me about the fact that I like the limelight. Um, so, uh, <laughs> two things. First of all, Bridge Builders event is um, June 25th. It'll be out at um, Canyon Ferry Lake at Cave Point. We've reserved it. It's right past Kim's Marina. Um, it's not that far out there. So um, if you can carpool, carpool. Um, and we, uh, Bridge Builders is supplying hot dogs and buns and all the condiments. We ask that you bring sides, salads, desserts. If you want something besides a hot dog, go ahead and bring that yourself with the buns if you want hamburger buns or steak, if you guys are willing, or even chicken. So um, also, pork? Huh? if you Did want bring pork, pork, bring pork. I don't eat okay. pork. Um, <laughs> um, also, bring your kayaks or any flotation devices. There is access to the water. I went out there last week just because somebody said it was really low. So there is access. I did check, and so you can walk it down there. And make sure you bring your life jackets. Oh, and we will also be supplying water. So anyway, that's at 11 o'clock on Saturday the 25th, June 25th. So bring yourselves. That's a challenge. Bring yourselves. And another challenge is to invite somebody else. So... Yay. Amen. So it will be fun. Second announcement is this week we are praying around the Supreme Court with everything that's been going on in our nation. I would really like us to concentrate on that's what I felt like the Lord was leading us around there. But also come around here and pray around this building for VBS. Um, you can start today before you Amen. go home. Just take a little jaunt around the building and just pray for all the kids that are going to come. Pray for all the helpers. And um, prayer is so important. We might not feel that anything's happening, but it's communication with God. And it's not, you know, please help me with this, Lord, make this happen. It is our, it's a change in us when we're talking to him, regardless if he answers our prayers or not, in the way that we want them to be. So come out and pray. Thanks. Amen. And that will be on the board out there when you walk in. There'll be a new pin 
And all the other pins that are there, those are places that you can revisit and pray, but there'll be a little arrow that says this week. Um, so let's continue to come together and pray. Um, last announcement, I started announcing it last week. It's, it's our new app. Um, it's awesome. It's rapidly expanding. Like John texts me like every day and he's like, oh, I just figured out how to do this. It's awesome. And I look and it's like, wow, that's really cool. So if you haven't gotten on it yet, get on it. Um, there's your directions. If you're like, I, I don't like directions, which I don't like directions, ask John. John will be available to answer questions or to help you download it on your phone, on your tablet, whatever. But really, it's getting to the point where we're going to have everything on here. Weekly bulletins, you can give. Um, you will be able to get to all the archived messages through our YouTube channel. All sorts of great stuff. So, the what? The what? Yes, there will be pork recipes on there, Tamara. Um, no, there's a calendar. There's a great calendar. So everything will be on there. So please get on there. Kind of the idea of this is the church app is really for people who come to church here, right? The website is for those who are looking for a church. So it's going to be geared a little different, though they will tie together and, and all that good stuff. Amen? All right, we've got how many ways? To, we got four ways to give. Online, text. Uh, giving box, you can mail it to 725 Granite. Of course, you can use the app to get to the online. Um, just giving you guys options and opportunities. Giving boxes are in the back of the sanctuary and out in the foyer. Um, God loves a cheerful giver, right? We hear that all the time. But there's so much truth within that. And that giving is a form of our worship. And it's a form of trust, isn't it? It's a form of humility saying, you know what? I don't want this. I don't want to take the burden of my finances, though I will be a steward over those. I don't want the burden. Lord, these are yours. Here is your, what you're asking. Here's an offering. Here's some extra. Here's this and that. Just listen to the Lord on that, and he will, uh, he will help you with all of those things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's not get quiet. Man, worship's never quiet. I know there's a guy on the back row that's never quiet, and I love it when you... When, yes, right? So we're going to just jump in here today. This is, this is a great um, portion of Scripture we're going we're gonna to go through today. Um, it's challenging, uh, and we're going to get into that. So let's pray for, for the message. Father, once again, Lord God, we step into your presence, and we... we uh, we just come before you with anticipation. We come before you with need and hunger. Lord God, we want more of your word. We want more of your teaching. So Holy Spirit, everything that I speak here this morning, let it be from you and you alone. And Lord God, if it's not of you, then just shut my mouth. And like I always pray, Lord, don't let anybody walk in here. Don't let anybody leave this building the same way that they walked into this building, Lord God. We, we want your change. We want to be challenged. Lord God, we even welcome your conviction. So we give this all to you, Lord Jesus. We lay it down at your feet, and we pray it in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, you guys are used to me praying that, right? That, that nobody leave here the same way that they came in. And, and sometimes when, when we hear it every week, it's just like, oh, yeah, now he's at that part where he's talking about coming and going and, and all that. But, but that should be our heart's desire, truly, that when we walk in this building, whatever we're carrying, whatever burdens we're carrying, wherever we are at, whatever our knowledge base is, 
that something changes, something is affected here during worship, the time of teaching, the time of prayer, whatever it may be, we should never, ever want to leave this building the same way that we came in. Because God is at work, and God wants to do stuff in each one of our lives. So we hope that happens today. If you noticed, I, I entitled this message kind of a weird title. Hmm. Hmm. You ever get to the point in Scripture, um, you're reading your Bible and you come to a sentence, a verse, a paragraph, an entire book of the Bible where you're just like, hmm, hmm, well that's a little different. Well that's kind of where we come to. We are in our series of No Middle Ground, it's a series on the book of First John. This is number 28, if you can believe that, and we're, we're getting there. But let me start today by saying that the the verses that we do cover, they just might be the most confusing verses out of the entire book of 1 John. I got, you know, we've been rolling, we've been coming good, I I hit to this part and, and I get here and I think, wow, this is a hard one. This is a hard one to comprehend, to kind of rationalize. But with that being said, it is very important to look at these verses and and not simply skip over them. How easy would it be to just skip these verses and get on with the other stuff, the stuff we can grab hold to. But there is value here, so please bear with me and let's look at the big picture of, of what these verses are saying. If you have your Bibles today, paper, Phone, electronic, whatever it is, please turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. We are continuing, but like I said, we are getting really close to the end of this book. We are getting really close to ending this series, No Middle Ground. And and I hope you have gained um, a greater understanding over these last few weeks. I mean months, I mean a long time, a greater understanding um, from this series about the book of First John. But even more, I hope you've been challenged in your own faith. Um, I, I really do. I, I, I hope you have uh, come to the understanding that, that there's a, a very big difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. This culture that we live in right now, they, they love the shade of gray. Right? They like that gray area. But the Bible, God's word, God's principles say that there, there isn't a whole lot of gray. It's black, it's white, it's the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of this world. Now next week we are going to finish this series up. And I would encourage you to be here next week. Because of how a little bit confusing as some of the, 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 the verses are today. Next week John concludes his book um, really in a powerful and amazing way. It's, it really is the apex to the entire book. It's the apex to this series. So if you can be here next week, um, I would highly recommend it. Um, we need to be here. We need to be diving into these, these type of scriptures, even the hard ones. Sometimes they're hard to understand. Sometimes they're, they're hard to live out. Um, we live in a day and age right now where we, as Christians, we can't simply coast through life. We, we can't do it. Um, we are to persevere. We are to push. We are to progress. And we're to do that every single day in our faith. Paul said, pressing on toward the goal 
for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we need to be living that more so now than ever before, and it was vitally important before. As we move into verse 16, we see that John now turns from having this assurance in prayer really to the ministry of prayer. Let's look at uh, verses 16 and 17. Well, let's just start with 16 right now and then we'll break it down. Uh, 1 John 5.16, this is out of the Amplified. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not lead to death, he will pray and ask on the believer's behalf and God will for, for him give life to those whose, whose sin is not leading to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for this kind of sin. See, I read that, and I say, wait, what? Am I the only one? I mean, I'm the only honest one. Because he's saying stuff in here, and it's like, wait, I thought I was supposed to pray, but, but, but now he's saying pray for this person, but, but don't pray for this person. And, and how do I figure out which person? Do we have a questionnaire or something? Is there something I can give that person before I pray for him so I, so I can determine if I should pray for that person or not that, this other one? And that's confusing to me. That's confusing to me. And what makes this, this passage even more confusing is that John, he really doesn't give a basis for this statement, right? It's just kind of there. Here we go. We're, we're talking about how, boy, if we pray God's will, God hears that back in, back in the previous verse, verse 15, and then all of a sudden we're in this, and it's like, wait a second, slow down here. So what we as readers must do is we, we have to filter this through the context of the entire letter as well as the principles and the teachings of, of Jesus himself. And we have to do this in order so we don't fall off that ledge, that, 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 that razor edge that's out there. It's out there so much right now of this mistaken theology, right? Well, I thought the Bible was saying this, but is it within the context of what the, the rest of the verses around it? Is it within the context of that book? Is it within the context of the Bible? When we have uh, sound principles, when we're breaking down uh, the Word of God, it helps us from falling off that cliff of, of, of bad theology. What we can take from this passage is that John's teachings about intercessory prayer follow the flow of his teachings throughout this entire letter. And I would also say the flow of his other books that he wrote, including the Gospel of John. Let's take a look back. Take a look back at 1 John 3.16. It says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We know that this is not just the brothers, it's the brothers and the sisters. It's our, it's our fellow um, members of, of the, the, the church, the big C church, right? Not just the people here today, but really the big C church. If love... And remember, this is the true agape love of the Father requires a willingness on our part to lay down our lives or to sacrifice for our brothers and sisters. Then our logical thinking should align with our hearts here. And when we see a brother or a sister who is committing a sin, we are obligated 
to intercede in prayer for that person. Wouldn't you agree? It's not just that we should, not maybe that we ought to. It's that we're obligated. So within the context of this letter, from John's perspective, to not pray for a brother or a sister in this circumstance would be akin to, to seeing somebody in desperate need and withholding the earthly goods that that person requires. That's 1 John 3.17. Flip that slide. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It's a legitimate question. It's a great question. And it comes from the same mindset, doesn't it? See, sometimes physical needs are met with a compassionate heart. They need to be. And sometimes spiritual needs are met with that same compassionate heart. Yet I'll be the first to admit that at times we, we pick one and dodge the other. Sometimes it's just easier to give someone something that they need, an, an earthly need. And then, and then we can give them that thing. May, maybe it's food. Maybe it's diapers. Maybe it's, maybe it's physical help. Maybe we shovel their snow off their walk. And sometimes that's so much easier because then we can just go about our day. Sometimes it's hard to pray for certain people. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you guys got certain people in your life. It's just kind of hard to pray for those certain people. Even when we know that they are tripping up in sin. See, our self-righteous voice can get a little too loud because after all, they should know better. Right? Or, or, or you know, they're just getting what they deserve. Or maybe it's even, no surprise, because here we go again. See, there's a deep current of love that, that flows through this book, and, and John continues to press this message of love in action and in deed. See, that's the action and deed part, right? Because as Christians, we're also really good at saying, oh, I'll pray for you. Those are great words. I'll pray for you. Makes us sound pretty connected with God. Makes us sound pretty, pretty righteous. Man, we're a good Christian because I'm saying I'll pray for you. That's the words. We need the actions and we need the deeds to back up those very words. And so often, it's just our, it's our canned response. I'll pray for you. But do you? Do you really? Now we're seeing this current of love that John has established from, from the very beginning in this book. And, and now it comes to intercessory prayer. We also view this passage in light of verse 15 in that we know that when we pray for someone in sin, we are praying. We are absolutely praying within the will of God and in accordance with the Holy Spirit. And thus God hears those prayers. So we are called to pray for each other. Sometimes, for whatever reason, some of our brothers and sisters, they do get caught up in things. And those things are unhealthy to themselves. And ultimately, they become unhealthy for the entire body. Because when one member is hurting, or when one member is straying, it has an effect 
on the rest of the church. And sometimes they are, they're just too burdened to make those fervent prayers for themselves. Sometimes they are unwilling to make those fervent prayers for themselves. So we pray, being led by the Holy Spirit and having confidence that the Father hears us. And we know that God's desire is that we all come to repentance, right? His desire is that none shall perish, that all come to Him initially, that we begin a born-again relationship with Him. And as a Christian, all of us have taken a short step. We've taken a crooked step. Taken a misplaced step. And God's desire is always that we come back to Him in repentance. Through our prayers that are in accordance with the Holy Spirit, will that person, that brother or sister that we see out of step, that we see sinning, will, will they absolutely come to repentance because of our intercessory prayer? I'm not sure that that's the question that we should be asking. I'm not sure that we need a definite answer because that is not what drives our prayers, is it? What drives our prayers is our obedience to our Father and the compassion that He has instilled within each one of us. See, what I'm sure about is that we need to be lifting each other up in prayer, regardless and every day. We need to pray for each other. We absolutely pray for the prodigals in our lives. Absolutely. We absolutely pray for our community and so many people that are sitting in darkness. But we can never forget to pray for one another. We are the body. We are the brothers and sisters. We need prayer. I know a lot of you guys pray for me. Thank you so much. Don't stop. Continue. But we need to continue to pray for one another. And now John makes a perplexing statement in this second part of verse 16 that we, we talked about before. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for this kind of sin. And I, and I get to this, and, I, and I, he does confuse me. And I have to say, hmm... Once again, for us, the reader, today as we're going through this, as we're going through the book, we, we just don't know what is on John's mind here. We don't know what, what prompted him to, to add this on, to make this statement. Now we know that it's vitally important and it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We have no doubt about that. But for us, it's, it's kind of hard. Now to the original recipients of this letter, those that, that, that attended all these churches, those that never left these churches because of the false teaching, there have been, may have been situations that had happened in the past or, or even ongoing situations that, that we, as the modern reader, were just not made aware of those things. But what we do know is, is that we just don't know for sure. In the Old Testament, we find that, that Judaism distinguished between, between certain sins. There were deliberate sins and there were presumptuous sins. There were, you know, those deliberate ones, the sins of open. Um, they were rebellious, right? They were rebellion against God. And, and those sins were actually punishable by death, remember? 
we, we have that whole stoning thing going on in the Old Testament, and, and it really goes all the way through the book of Acts. Um, and then there were those sins of, of really ignorance. Anybody have sins of ignorance in here? We sure do. And there's sins of carelessness, right? That's the other thing. We have sins of carelessness. Now, now in the Old Testament, in, in Judaism, those, those sins could be atoned for. But we're not under the Old Covenant. So what sin is it that leads to death? We just don't know. We just don't know for sure. Now, some of you guys are going, come on, Pastor, it's so obvious. It's in, it's in Mark 3.26. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit is never, has, has, never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So we know that, that it could be the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, but again, John doesn't allude to that. So, so we just don't know for sure. Most likely, he makes this distinction here because intercessory prayer is, it's powerful and it's made for the progression of eternal life, right? We, we pray for one another with this eternal perspective. We pray that that person get themselves out of sin right now, that they come to God, that they come through Jesus, that they repent so that they can get their life back on track because there's an eternal um, consequence, right? Either good consequence or a bad consequence. So we are to make those effective prayers with the person's immediate as well as eternal well-being in mind. Then I start thinking, so who then is excluded or beyond this effective prayer? And honestly, I have no good answer to that question. And there are really no clues offered from this text. Now, if we remember um, back to why John wrote this letter in the first place, right? He wrote these churches um, because there were so many false teachers and they were trying to destroy these churches and pull people out and, and they were preaching a false gospel. Maybe, maybe John has those people in mind who were propagating all, all this false theology and all this false teaching in and against these churches. Maybe that's who he's talking about. But in respect to this, and as hard as it is, shouldn't those people be the ones that we do fervently pray for? Those that are in error? Those that have tried to split a church? Those that are trying to deceive people and pull them out of the church? Boy, we don't always want to pray for them. I think those are the ones that we absolutely should pray for. We pray that they may see their error and come to repentance. Sometimes it's easier to pray for the lost than those that have hurt us. But at all times, it's just as important through the eyes of our Lord. So what do we do with a passage like this? Honestly, what do we do with this? Do we ignore it? Do we just move on? Because that would be so easy. How do we take this burden of determining if it is a sin leading to death or not. Here's my advice. Here's the little disclaimer and the little asterisk that always goes with my advice. This is only my advice. This is not the gospel. This is just Jason's advice. My advice here is to not get too bogged down with this. See, I remember when I went through EMT training 
And they had this saying that they would continually tell us, err on the side of caution. Err on the side of caution, what does that mean? It means that, that boy, if I come to an accident scene, I gotta err on the side of caution. I don't want to do more harm. I want to do as much good as possible. So I have to be cautious with my next move. So basically, err on the side of caution, it, it means to display more rather than less of a specific quality in one's actions, right? More, not less. My obligation is to pray. So how much harm could our exclusion of intercessory prayer have on somebody? We don't understand the power of prayer. We just don't. Some of us get into prayer, but until we're in glory, I don't think we'll ever truly understand how powerful prayer is or withholding prayer is. See, I would rather have to explain to God why I did too much than too little, especially in terms of prayer and compassion and love. So for myself... I have to simply pray, and then I let the Holy Spirit sort it out, right? We talked about that last week. He says, man, I pray. Sometimes I use the wrong names. Sometimes I use the wrong words. Sometimes I use the wrong locations. But it's the Holy Spirit that, that takes all that, and he, he repackages it, and he reorganizes it, and then he offers it up. That's my role here. I've got to err on the side of caution. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to get bogged down. I'm not going to spend that time that I could be praying, trying to figure out, well, is this a sin that leads to death or is this not? Because now we're the judge of that sin. And when we place ourselves in the position of being a judge over someone's sins, we put ourselves in a really tricky position. I think it has to do with a splinter and a plank in our eyes and, and things like that. Now again, I want you to understand that's my opinion here. But I do think that it fits nicely within the context of the teachings of Jesus. Let's keep going. Let's look at, look at verse 17 now. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. One can repent of it and be forgiven. In 1 John 3, 4, the author says this, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And now John is coming back and now he is adding that all wrongdoing, or in some of your guys' version, versions of, of, of what, what, what Bibles you prefer, it says unrighteousness is sin. So wrongdoing is also sin. Gosh, now it starts stacking up. Okay, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. Oh, just wrongdoing. That's also sin. See, sin, sin isn't a popular topic in today's culture, is it? And we're in a month which celebrates sin, right? It's just not popular. We don't want to talk about it. But sin is sin. Sin is sin. And, and John here comes back at the really the ending, the closing of this letter, and he, he's clarifying something that's very important here. That sin is sin. Knowing that we as Christians are not to sin, there are some who attempt to deal with the problem of sin, sinning by limiting, limiting sin to deliberate or lawless acts. 
right? So that's what these guys who had left these churches, they're like, no, but that's sin. That's the stuff I'm doing. No, I'm, it's not sin because I never sin. I never sin. But look at these people. Look at those deliberate acts. Look at the things they are doing. What they are doing is now they are determining what sin is and the, the, the extent to which that sin is. But John's not having any of this. He's saying, no, we're not even going down that road. And that's why he clarifies that all, all wrongdoing is sin. Even when done by the children of God. Even when done by the brothers and sisters that we look to that are so saintly. And they mess up, oh, that couldn't be sin, they're so saintly. No, sin is sin. That includes sins of commission, right? Sins of commission, that would be, that would be knowing what not to do and doing it anyway. Oh, I, I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. You are, you are committing that sin. That is a sin of commission. You are willfully and knowing, knowingly engaging in that sin. But, but this also includes sins of omission. The sin of omission would be knowing what we should be doing and deciding not to do it. And that has a lot to do with compassion, right? And things like that. Oh, I should have compassion on that person. I know I should, but I just don't want to. It's not that big a deal. I'm just choosing not to. I'm busy after all, right? I've got other things I need to be doing. That's, that's wrongdoing. That is outside the will of God. That's outside the things that God wants you to be doing. So that's known as a sin of omission. It's as if John's desire here is to, to really grab the reader and pull him back into the mindset that leads to admission of sin and repentance for us personally and intercessory prayer for our brothers and sisters that have transgressed. He brings it back. He just simplifies it. He's like, man, let's just get right back here. All wrongdoing is sin. You need to pray for yourself. You need to repent. You need to pray for others that are transgressing. You need to intercede for them. That is what we need to be doing. So John brings us back to, to honesty. Brings us back to honesty here at the end of this letter. He can't, he can't let it go. He has to leave that with us because it's so important. And, and here's the neat part. He takes us back to the beginning. He takes us back all the way to 1 John 1 verse 8. If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts. Boy, that's a strong statement. But John, John can't speak it in, in 1.8 and leave it there. He has to bring it back at the end so that we continue to hear it and we continue to understand it and we continue to apply it into our lives and into our compassion that we have on our brothers and sisters. You see, sin can never be dealt with by denial or apathy or even deflection. We love deflection. Don't look at my life. Look at his life. Look at how much worse he is. Gosh, church, pray for him. I don't need your prayers. I'm just fine. You need to be praying. Look at him. Look at him. He's so bad. We deflect. We deny. We try to, to change these around. See, sin can never be redefined. 
just because our cultural norms change, right? If that were to happen, this book would be irrelevant. But this book isn't irrelevant. What was sin in the beginning? In the garden, post-garden. It's still sin today. Oh, but the Bible, it's so old. It's just not so relevant anymore. Times have changed. We've got to evolve. You can never evolve beyond the Word of God. Part of the reason you can't evolve beyond the Word of God is because the Word of God lies before us. We can never truly catch the entirety of the Word of God, can we? And it's with us and it's beyond, behind us. We can't go outside of that and think that we are right. We can't go outside of that and say, oh, but cultural norms has redefined sin. So it's not really sin anymore. Listen up. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. The process of forgiveness and repentance must always start with the honest admission. For those willful acts of wrongdoing and disobedience, I'm there. I'm not going to lie, I'm there. As well as those things that we do that we don't think are that big a deal. I'm there. Still there. And don't forget those things God wants us to do but we really deliberately don't want to do that. I'm definitely there. I'm getting better. It's just so much easier if, if, if we don't tell God, God, I just don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do it. So much easier just to say, fine, God, don't know how it's going to look. Kind of nervous. Don't know if I'll totally enjoy it, but I want to avoid the whale swallowing me up. I'll just go to Nineveh if I really need to. Right? It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. By admitting that we are out of whack, that we are out of line, by admitting that we are in sin, we are positioning ourselves in humble reverence before the Father and seeking the covering by the blood of Jesus Christ. We got to do that. We got to do, oh no, I got saved once, so I'm always saved, right? Oh gosh, you're looking at this completely wrong. You seek God on a daily basis, right? You seek the covering that he extends to us through the blood of Jesus. That's a covering of protection and provision. It's a covering that brings blessing. But we have to make an initiation and seek that within each one of our lives on a daily basis. See, it is here that resolution comes. And this should be made a a daily practice. See, we have to resolve our sin. It's an open case. It's it's an ongoing process. It's No, I just stopped sinning. I just stopped doing that behavior. But have you gone to God yet? Have you repented? Have you got before Him? If you haven't, it's like a library book that you haven't returned yet. You still haven't. You got to turn it back in or you're going to get charged late fees, right? It's the same with our sin. We can stop doing it. We can stop reading the library book. But that doesn't mean we still have it. We have to resolve that. And we resolve that by humbly positioning ourselves in the presence of our Lord, who is full of mercy and grace. And he bestows the blood of Jesus on us once again. And we are once again clean. And we say, Father, forgive me. Help me to repent or turn from this sin. And resolution comes.
comes. So my obligation in order for sin to be dealt with is to confess. That is my part for me personally. And my part in the community, the community of believers is intercession for my brother and my sister. Oh my gosh, now I don't have to just deal with my own sins. I got to deal with my brother and sister's sins. No, Jesus deals with all the sins. You don't do it. You just pray for yourself and you pray for your brothers and sisters. You make intercession. This is such a great example of Christ and the Holy Spirit and how they pray and make intercession for one another. Look at Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. Thank you that it's the uttermost, right? There's not a limit on it. Those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for Him. Did you know that? That Jesus makes intercession for each one of you? Oh, Jesus, I need that more. Can I have a double portion of that? Maybe more than a double portion? Maybe just make it a buffet so I can just continually go back. I'll have a stack of plates because, Jesus, I need your intercession. Um, next one. Romans 8.34. Who, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of the God who indeed is interceding for us. Who is to condemn? The world tries to condemn us, right? The world condemns themselves. But it's Christ Jesus who gives us life. And not only that, he intercedes for us. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. How many of you guys know that you have people in your life and maybe they are tripped up in sin and maybe it's habitual and maybe it's a, a prodigal and you just you get to the point where, man, you're just frustrated. You're just a little bit angry. You know that Jesus righteous kind of anger? Then you're like, Ma, I don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit comes in. And he begins to, to guide our prayers. And, and we intercede. And, and the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and we're all working together. We're praying for this person or this situation. And, and God continues to lead that. It's our weakness, right? When we get to the point where we're just like, I don't know what to pray for this person anymore. They make me so angry. Wives, you, you can relate to this probably really Really, there's just times where, where Amy will tell you, she's not up here to defend herself. You ask her, she'll say, man, I just have to go to God and say, that's your son. That is, you deal with him. Yeah, that's, that's in her weakness, the Holy Spirit is, is giving her wisdom. And, and the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Again, we make the prayers. They may be messed up. They may not be the exact proper prayer that needs to be happening, but the Holy Spirit, He intercedes and He makes those prayers. Groaning's too deep for words. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Then look at, look at Timothy. 1 Timothy 2.1 First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Who should that be made for? Who are we making it for? You bunch of liars. 
you're not making it for all people, probably. There might be a cut. Charlie probably does. <laughs> Charmaine, probably. But, but for the rest of us, it's like, ah. One word, economy, right? The economy right now. How many of us are praying for the leaders that have been placed in charge of our country right now? Yeah. I'm in weakness. I'll use some groanings to describe that. And to, No. This, you know, Paul in, in, in this portion of Timothy, he's saying, man, those people that are in leadership, God has placed them in leadership for His will. We don't understand it because it's not for my will. But, but they're, they're placed and they're meant. You need to be praying for those people. Your neighbor. Oh, your neighbor. Gosh, he just went to kill his dandelions and he killed half my yard. Now I'm supposed to pray for that person? And what about the, the, the person standing on the side of the road begging for money in front of a help wanted sign? You really? I'm supposed to pray for that person? Really? I'm supposed to intercede for that person? See, that's what we do. Our will gets in the way. Our our self-righteousness gets in the way. The Christian brother or sister that you might be sitting next to in this building right now. And it's like they're spinning their wheels. It's like, gosh, you're going to do that again? You're going to go around that sin path again? Uh, and when God released me from praying for that person and God's saying, yeah, you need to go back and read my book. Because you need to Make those supplications. You need to make those prayers. Make those prayers. Man, as hard as it is, make those prayers. Intercess. You know, intercession takes emotion and energy to me, right? Intercession is like pleading with God. God, please help this person. Please help this person. And there's times of chaos. There's times of hard times. My goodness, a couple of days ago, a 10-year-old was hit by a car and instantly killed. And the eight-year-old brother was watching the whole thing, and the grandparents, and they weren't doing anything wrong. They were well off the road, but somebody decided to go in the ditch. And that breaks my heart. And the compassion within my heart leads me to these groanings of intercession. This says, oh, this mother and father, this, these grandparents, this, this sibling. Oh, God. You just feel it from the depths of your soul because, because there's a loss of a 10-year-old little girl, a beautiful 10-year-old little girl, and we groan about that. And then we take that to God and we're like, God, why did that happen? But more so comfort that family. Reveal yourself in a brand new way. And we can relate to that, right? But what about our unsaved friend? What about the driver? What about the person that just is habitually caught up in sin? Do we groan with that same passion and that same longing and desire that they get right with God so that they may spend eternity with Him? Do we do that same thing? It's hard. Do we groan and, and passionately pray for our country and where it is headed? Do we call upon the will of God and His returning with that same intercessory passion? And then it says, and thanksgiving be made for all people. We're to be thankful for all people. How are we supposed to be thankful for all people? Because all people are God's creation. 
We thank you for your creation. It's so easy to thank God for the beautiful mountains, right? We thank him for the rain. Oh, thank you, God, for the rain. Thank you for the trees and, and the variety of animals. You drive through Yellowstone, how can you not come to that? Oh, thank God, thank you for your creativity. I'm looking at your majesty and grandeur here. It's so amazing. Thank you so much, God. Why is this idiot driving so slow in front of me? How am I supposed to be thankful for him? Because he's the pinnacle of God's creation. Beyond the mountains and the trees. Beyond the birds and the buffalo. He is the pinnacle. And we need to be thankful for that. See, see John has brought us to a point in his letter that says you guys got to pray for each other. Pray for each other. Look around. God has created every person, though they might be separate, separate from Him, though they might be caught up in sin, they are apart from His mercy and His grace. We still are thankful that God put that person on the earth. And we see that person. Oh, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. I'm going to intercess for that person. I don't even know his name, but I'm going to intercess. And sometimes it's, I definitely know his name, but I'm going to have thankfulness. I'm going to pray. I'm going to make supplications. And I'm going to intercess for that person. Now, it feels like we have been down a somewhat confusing road today, in a way, right? But it's like a gravel road because it's a hard road to be on. Because I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us sometimes with messages like this. Challenges us convicts us. So it's confusing and it's convicting. It's hard. It's, it's wonderful. It's all of those things all at once. And I hope you can leave here different than, than the way you came in. I hope you can leave here with a, a general understanding about these more confusing verses and why they are so very important. But above that, please leave here knowing that we are to be praying for one another. We just are. If you know a brother or a sister right now, this morning, maybe they're here, maybe they're not here, you know that they are engaging in sin, pray for them. Intercess for them. If you see them struggling, brothers and sisters struggling, maybe it's directly sin-related, maybe it's not. But they're struggling. Pray for them. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayer. And He will not only give you the words to pray, but I am so confident that He will also give you the guidance and the wisdom in your next steps. Do you continue to pray? Do you confront? Do you just say, hey, let's grab some coffee and you let the Holy Spirit lead that conversation? The Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you in those steps. Also, and this is crucial, remember to keep yourself in a proper position before God on a daily basis. See, you got people who, who are great at praying for others, but they never pray for themselves. It's all about the others and God's sitting there going, but I want a relationship with you. Look at all the things we did in your name. Jesus, depart from me because I didn't know you. 
We can, never, we can never forfeit that. We can never get so consumed in thinking that we need to pray for everybody else that we don't take time to pray for ourselves. Seek His will. Admit, confess your wrongdoings. Ask for His forgiveness. And repent or turn away from those sins. Now I need you to hear this. This is super important. It all comes to this in so many ways. So please wake up. Don't look at your watches. Crave your hunger, all of that. I I need you to hear this. Fellowship or connection or being part of a church is vitally important because it provides you with a level of protection. It just does. The Lone Ranger Christian. I love Jesus, but I don't need church. Don't talk to me about church. I'm fine. I can go to the mountains. That's my church. They are forfeiting a level of protection. And I I, I got to say this. When, when we're talking about Christians, I'm, I'm not talking about those that come on Christmas and Easter or, or maybe even once a month. You got to be here. You got to be here. Summer's here in Montana. It's short. Camping season is rocking and rolling. You got to decide between the importance of camping season. And I'm not saying a vacation isn't appropriate. But a habitual missing of church over the summer, that's an issue. And it becomes an issue because in many ways you are separating yourself from the body and, and a lot of that, that, that protection. Now, now hear, me, hear me on this. See, when you're in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that weekly interaction that we have before church and, and Lord knows after church because sometimes we don't get out of here till 1 or 1.30, that interaction caters to an environment of prayer. When we worship together, I am, we're connected. Here's, here's the honesty of a pastor. If, if I'm not prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for somebody specifically, I will be more apt to pray for somebody that I had interaction with on Sunday morning than somebody who has been out of church for the last three weeks. Not because I determined that, it's because I, I'm keyed in. I'm like, oh, Charlie, brother, it's good to see you this morning. I knew it. I've got to be praying for you, Charlie. Charlie. And Georgie says, amen. <laughs> but it's my inter- Don, I'm seeing you on Sunday mornings. You're in my mind throughout the rest of the week. I'm more apt to pray for you. Because I got to see you this morning, right? And you're more apt to pray for me because we had a conversation. I smacked you on the back and you smacked me on the back. That, maybe that's all it takes. People, church is vitally important Amen. for this reason. Connection and coming together. Now, like I said, the Holy Spirit can come in there and say, hey, I'm going to prompt you to pray for this person that, that's not here. Some people have to be on Facebook. They, they can't physically come to church. But too many people are just hanging out on Facebook. I'll catch the message whenever I can. It's different. You're seeing us, but we're not seeing you. 
We're not interacting with you. So the body of Christ, it's, it's, it's the plan of, it's the plan of God, right? Don't, don't forsake the gathering, right? Don't forsake it, but crave it. Do whatever you can to get that connection because it all comes together in a beautiful thing. And I truly believe that when we see each other, when we talk to each other, when we see each other's faces, when we shake hands, when we hug, we are going to be more apt to be moved, to intercede, and to pray for that person. When you separate yourselves from church, you are choosing to set yourself apart from the natural protection that comes with the community. And it is natural. Look at the animals. You got a herd of a, a bunch of animals. One of those animals in Africa decides to separate himself from the protection of that herd. When the lion comes along, he's not going to look at the herd and say, I'm going after the herd. No, he's going to get a lot of hooves and that, the strength in numbers. He's going to say, I'm going to grab the person that's by themselves. That animal that has separated himself, that's what's for dinner right there. We have to understand that. Worship team, why don't you guys come up? It's such a different message today. Such a different... I don't know. It's almost like John loved us so much, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to, to purposely throw this in so that we would have to slow down and think about this. But as I came to the conclusion of, of this message, I thought, man, you know what? There's three questions that it boils down to. There's three questions that we now have to ask. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask those questions. We will put those questions up on the board. You know I love altar calls. You know I love opening up the altar all the time. I try to encourage you guys to come to the altar. I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to just give it everything to you. If you guys are being prompted to come to the altar, please come to the altar. You guys are being prompted to pray for one another. There's somebody in this church and you're like, man, i got to go pray for that person, but I don't know how. I don't know how. There might be a little awkward at first. Let the Holy Spirit iron that out. So as we close today, as we sing this last song, I, I am going to encourage you. See, there's some people in here right now and God has placed people on their mind. It's like, oh gosh, I need to be praying for that person right now. I'm going to encourage you to do that. Some people... You, Man, you got to pray for yourself. Maybe that is coming to the altar and, and repenting, turning away, giving that sin, bringing closure to that sin in your life. Maybe that's an altar time for you. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you just got to pray for yourself in your seat. Pray for one another. Hug on one another. Simply go up to somebody and say, Man, I'm thinking about you. As we close with this last song, in the context of these these three questions allow this this closing song to be a time where you can wander around the sanctuary. You are released from your chairs. You need to go to the opposite side and grab somebody to pray with. Do it. Don't let that time escape you. If you need to get to the altar and pray, do it. If you need to bring somebody to the altar, do it. If you need to fall on your face in your seat, 
do it. Do not leave here the same way that you came in. Do not leave here with the baggage that you brought in. This morning is a time that freedom can come to so many of us in our lives. So here's the three questions. They've been up there. You've read them. I'm going to read them. How are you in your personal relationship with the Lord? Sometimes we want to avoid that question, don't we? I want to talk about how that person is with their relationship with the Lord. It's not about them right now. It's about you. How are you in your personal relationship with the Lord today, this morning, right now? Who are you being prompted to pray for in regards to wrongdoing or deliberate sin? I believe that as we draw near to God, He is going to prompt somebody. He's going to put somebody on your, on your mind. Maybe that's a prodigal. Maybe it's somebody in here. Maybe it's somebody we haven't seen for, for several Sundays or since Easter or whatever. Don't jump over that question. And then the third question, it's a hard one, is fellowship. Is regular church attendance a priority in your life? These questions are, are valid, and I think they merit our asking. I'll say this, I'm anti-easy church. I'm anti-easy teaching. I'm anti-non-biblical teaching. Because I believe this book, it's got everything that we need. And though we don't always want to dig into it, and we don't always want to broach those topics, there's healing and there's restoration in this book. There's healing and restoration in our time of prayer. Pray for yourself. Where are you? Pray for those that God is placing on your heart. And ask yourself this question. Is church, is fellowship, is it a priority in your life? Even in the Montana summer. Everybody stand up. Uh, Doyle, can you bring those lights down? Like I said, you will be free to roam wherever you need to go in this sanctuary. Do it. Take this time. Um, so many pastors would agree with me that the entire service has come down to this point. It's the point that you have the opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life this morning. Don't let that flutter away. Grab onto it. Press hard. Don't let it go. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your hard words. We thank you for your hard teaching. Lord God, it's hard to, for us because our human nature messes everything up. But Lord God, the answer is so easy. The answer is easy for us because, because Jesus, you did the hardest thing possible. You took our sins upon you. You laid down your life for us. You didn't stay dead, but you came back to life conquering death. Lord God, those are the hard things, and you've taken care of that. So Lord God, help us uh, through our fear. Help us through our self-righteousness. Help us through our pride. Lord God, help us to lay those at your feet and to simply come to you and say, God, I need you more than anything in my life. I need the community of believers 
in my life. And I need a compassionate heart to pray for my brothers and sisters who have taken a misstep or are hurting or who are troubled or who are the prodigal or have not yet met you. Lord God, give me that compassion and that intercessory passion to pray for each one of these. Jesus, Lord, I know you're meeting needs as I speak right now, and I know you will continue to. So Holy Spirit, we give you leave to take action in each one of our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it out. Now be dismissed and leave here, not not the same way that you came in. But Lord, change us, knowing that we have been touched by you this morning. And Lord God, that's not just a Sunday morning thing in this building. But Lord God, every day that springs forth from right now, Lord God, help us to draw nearer to you. Father, we, we bless your holy name. And we long for the return of our Christ Jesus. Lord God, give us the energy and the ability, the strength to endure, calling upon your name every day, resisting wickedness and sin, and focusing upon you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, you guys are dismissed. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.